player I'm going to get mad at you guys about, just so, you know, steal yourself. Failure. You take it very personally. I don't want to leave anybody out and yeah. feel like a fool later. Uh-oh. Tell me why I'm wrong. If you're a hater, you're going to love it. I agree with basically everything Becky was saying. Oh, that's just dumb, though. I've never been proven more wrong in my life so quickly and so dramatically. Recording November 13th, 2023. It is the sixth podcast of the year. Today, we have a very special guest. This gentleman is is uh, who I who I uh, message when I need to discuss things like player rankings all the time. He is he is my guru. He is the host of the sleeping. I'm not going to say the late because because I have hope. But the sleeping double down WNBA podcast. It is Stephen Trinkwald. Welcome to the sixth pod of the year. Thank you for having me on. Sleeping may be an appropriate term, maybe late. Who knows? Uh, we're in no rush, but not closing the door on anything either. There thank you, you for please. having us. Thank uh, you. Please don't on. don't close that door. Uh, but like you were saying, Snap, this uh, this uh, appearance just basically spawned out of DMs us us talking about what we'll be talking about today. So um, that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, and uh, what we're going to be talking about today. Oh, first of all, uh, of course, co-hosts here as well. The rest of the sixth pod bench squad. Robococo, Becky, and MJ Tolliver. How you guys doing? Good. Steven shows up and you just forget all about us. I just, just, I'm so excited. We're done. <laughs> we are done. <laughs> we're being replaced, MJ. <laughs> we're being replaced. I so well, can I just my eat job. my nachos real loud? <laughs> <laughs> on this episode, I'm gonna eat my nachos live on this episode. <laughs> no, please don't do that. Right. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. Uh, so this did arise out of a little conversation we had because we couldn't figure out the answer to a very, very simple question, which is who is the best player, third best player in the WNBA right now? And we're gonna dive into that. Uh, but first, uh, a little, a little talk, a little college basketball happened this weekend. Had a really nice triple header. Um, I woke up just in time to watch it, so I'm a little I'm a little out of it. I don't remember which game happened first, but I do know that South Carolina blew the doors off of Maryland, a 114 to 76, and then number one seed or number one with the rankings, not seed. UConn fell to NC State. Uh, Sanaya Rivers of NC State went beast mode 33 points uh over 10 i don't i don't remember the exact box score here but over 30 points over 10 rebounds over five assists three blocks three steals and just looking like no question the best player on the court uh and uh, i haven't heard a lot about her WNBA prospects and now i'm very very curious as to what the draft knicks think about her and then finally uh south carolina yeah just ate up uh and or south carolina excuse me stanford uh ate up spat out ranked indiana university um camera brink looking for all the world like she is just going to be uh an all WNBA player uh she she was defensively dominant uh everybody knows mackenzie holmes she's on the preseason uh player of the year watch list just just got destroyed absolutely destroyed um great game 
It was fun. Did anybody catch any of these games or any other games? I know that uh, I think, Becky, you went to a DePaul game, maybe? I did go to a DePaul game. We have to shout out Caitlin Gilbert of DePaul. Uh, just transferred in the first uh, women's college basketball player this season to have a triple-double. She did points, rebounds, and steals. Yeah. Um, we kept referring to the other team, Stonehill, which I had never heard of as like a Disney Channel like rival basketball team. It was just like we didn't know where they were from. <laughs> they weren't very good. Um, so the steals were getting a little excessive. Um, she had the same just like steal to a layup play like four times in a row. It was kind of nuts. Um, that was very, very cool to watch. And have to shout out to DePaul Blue Demons. We played Louisville on Sunday and they lost, but they kept that pretty competitive against a ranked team. So I was pretty proud there of DePaul go. who I was, I need to stop saying that they're going to be bad this year because apparently they're not going to be that bad this year. Um, they're out here. So DePaul, are they calling her the other Kate Clark? Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I feel bad for her. The Kate Clark with an E. <laughs> she had a great game. Um, against Louisville, I had not seen her play that well this season. Um, yeah, I see 32 points everything. Uh, for her yeah. uh, on that one. Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. My honor. All right. Uh, other thing that happened, um, the Candace Parker documentary that was last night. Did anybody else catch it? Yes, no? No? Not Just yet. me? That's it? Uh, go and watch not it. Yet. It's really good. Go find it. Go find it. Go watch it. It was it was very nice, very touching. Uh, great sum, summation of Candace's career up until now. It was kind of funny. Some of the things that got included, like the uh, the um, uh, overrated poll, if everybody remembers that, like all the stuff that we like to talk about when we discuss Candace on Twitter. It's like they hit all all of the uh, the high notes. Uh, definitely yeah. worth a lot. I'm excited to watch. I know there's some Geno slander in there. There's some Geno slander. We got the, yeah, you had the whole Olympic thing. Some Derek Fisher slander. You love it. Amazing. If you're a hater. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a hater, you're going to love it. <laughs> I have to say, Snap, your huh. tweets about Derek Fisher after this documentary um, made me want to go watch it for sure. I, I was probably going to watch it either way, but uh, you, you tweeted a couple of things Derek Fisher related. I was like, oh, if they're getting into this, then this is they, a must, yes. must see. This is they 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 get they get messy. It's so it's it's fantastic. It really really is. And it was like we haven't really heard a lot about it. Like I don't think I don't think she said a lot about it. But uh, yeah, she was speaking out. <laughs> it was great. It was great. Um, yes, go 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 watch it. It's it's a good time. It's fun. All right. Uh, preamble done. Now we're going to dive in to the, the question of who is the third best player in the WNBA, WNBA today. And this is a very, like, just the way you phrase it, it doesn't really mean anything per se. So you kind of have to define what we're talking about when we say third best. By the way, uh, we are going in with the assumption that the first two best players are asia wilson and brianna stewart in some order and we're not here to debate that and if you're out there thinking well no actually blah 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 more power to you um please feel free to hit up the the sixth pod twitter account and explain explain why indeed these are not the two best players um but that's not what we're doing right now Maybe somebody on this uh, on this podcast has has a, a fiery take to to give out, but we'll get into it. Uh, so yeah, what does exactly what exactly um, 
does it mean to be the best? What are we talking about? What question are we trying to answer here? And we're going to start with our guest. Uh, uh, Stephen, give us your criteria when somebody, when you're trying to figure out who the third best WNBA player is, what are you looking at? I think my criteria starts with winning a championship. Um, mm -hmm. Who you want in those final two rounds of five game playoff series against like the ultimate highest competition. I think there are some players here uh, that, you know, not to spoil anything that, that are lower on my list that I, I might consider better regular season players, better floor raisers than, than players I have ranked uh, above them. Um, but ultimately, like when when I'm just thinking about who the the best players are in the league, it's it's who is giving you the best chance to really like maximize your championship odds. I would say. Yeah, I, I think we are on the same page. Uh, championship equity is is kind of what I was looking for as well. What about you, MJ? When you're when you're trying to answer the question, third best player, what what does that mean to you? Um, I'm just thinking somebody that can either carry their team or is a good like second option or somebody that's like a really really strong like wood or steel glue you know what i mean like a a chelsea or a uh an Alyssa like when it comes to the glue like somebody that's that's that can play that role which may be seen as like a third or you know, real far away second option type. Like, because mm -hmm. if I say Alyssa, we would think to the finals with what John Quill and Brianna probably consider better than her at the time. You know what I mean? Or just or just being the glue that made them work together a certain type of way. You you get what I mean? So mm -hmm. or or I mean, not to say that she's on a list, but she she may make a list. Um, Courtney Vandersloop. Um, who's very efficient by the way, especially um, with the teammates that she has and being, I feel like she's probably the like most important piece on the Liberty. Cause if she wasn't there, it's a level of distribution that won't exist because Sabrina needs to get her shot. Brianna needs to get her shot. If you turn one of those two into a facilitator, suddenly that team doesn't look nothing like it looked this year. You know what I mean? At least to me, it, it wouldn't. But with her being there and not uh, needing to get a shot off, you know what I mean? She can drive to the paint, get under the rim, and get around kind of like a Steve Nash did. You know what I mean? Like draw defenses and do certain things, pull certain things a certain way on the floor, open up the uh, weak side. You know what I mean? Like she, she can initiate things that if you had Sabrina doing it, you take her – away from being an actual weapon you know what i mean like a lot of those right. just oh sabrina gets it. oh she's up for the shot ah, three like that won't exist so i'm thinking of players on that type of level you know that can either carry either glue or kind of fuse everything together if i'm using a correct word okay be like a be like like soldering <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> solder is is the, yeah. the most important structure of the piece yeah uh becky uh what about you I define best as most dominant. Okay. Um, so I wasn't looking at like the most efficient, necessarily the most skilled, not like this is the best person in their role, but who is a player can who can take over a game? Who is the one who's shaping the gameplay? 
or that other teams have to shape their gameplay around them. Who can put on a Sanaya Rivers versus UConn performance when the time comes? Talking about dominating the basketball. I like it. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Uh, All right. And uh, so my second question for everybody is how many players did you consider uh, for for this group? So we're each going to do, I I don't think I've said that yet. Boy, I'm really terrible at this, Uh, that we were each going to count down our top five. We'll we'll go around the corner doing each score. Number five, number four, number three, number two, number one, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like how many players did you consider for this list exactly? And I will start. Uh, I considered 13 players for this with an asterisk for a 14th. Uh, I'll, I'll just go right out and say it ahead right now. The asterisk was for Aaliyah Boston, and that was just mostly because I didn't feel comfortable saying what her, her current level was at. I, I, I'm comfortable with saying how she played as a rookie in her first year. But in terms of establishing a level of play, she's she has the potential to change it drastically or improve drastically. And I kind of wanted to leave leave her open for another year before kind of trying to pinpoint where she belongs in the firmament. Steven, how many players did you consider for this list? Um, before I, I give my number, I also just wanted to add some additional context in terms of how I thought about this. Like, I, I think sure. basically after those top two, you are really like we're out of players that we could consider best players on a title team, unless you have maybe two or more players from this group, I think. Uh, and I agree with you, obviously Asia and, and Brianna Stewart are the two players that, you know, are are above consideration for this, but those are the players that I think you could really say, you know, outside of extraordinary circumstances, like those are going to be one of the two best players on, on a title team. Um, but th- with that being said, I had a list of nine, so slightly smaller than your list snap, but, but not, Two men are two fewer players, and Aaliyah Boston was also one of those nine. Um, same, I think, reservations about having her in strong consideration, but definitely I thought was worthy of of taking a look at at least. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think she's in the strata. I just did, like I just didn't want to put a limit on her. Uh, how about you, MJ? I have ten. Okay, uh, and Becky. I also have nine, and my ninth was also Aaliyah, who I have as a is getting there to be that type of dominant player. I don't think it's necessarily going to be net next season. Okay. But I think she is. On well, there you go. Uh, as that an honorable path. mention, we, we all like Aaliyah. Just so yes. <laughs> <laughs> throw that out there. Uh, all right. Great. Uh, so uh, let's get into this. Uh, I will start. We'll go around, around the horn and, and we'll, we'll have uh Steven back clean up so he can give us his opinion uh, to begin with. Uh, let me just get a little into the philosophy of of how I was deciding it. We're getting into this thing. This was this was definitely the most difficult uh, exercise that done yet, uh, and one that uh, only it only because I think we came up with it like a couple of weeks ago um, that I didn't do even more. But I did a ridiculous amount of research uh, for each of the candidates. I watched. Basically what amounted to 10 games, but it wasn't all the same game. I, I watched random quarters with them in it. And that was uh, just to kind of reaffirm or or consider how they were on defense uh, against different teams. Um, uh, things like their passing facility, off-ball movement, like, like the things that you don't normally, you know, 
focus on when you're just watching casually watching a game you're watching the ball and and you're waiting to see what happens in this case i was just paying specifically close attention to the player even when they were away from the ball and i wanted to see how they reacted on defense did they help out a lot did they move around a lot uh, what was their their general philosophy for some players they were in different circumstances depending on what year it was but I thought it was still pertinent to the discussion. So I, I maybe went back one or two years just to see how they how they were playing or reacting with different teammates and things like that. Um, uh, and then, but we're, we're like, philosophically speaking, when we're talking about championship equity, we're, we're getting into what the important skills might be to a championship team. Uh, and then there, there's obviously stuff that the stats cover, offensive efficiency and and load, um, uh, you know, rebounding, blocking shots, blah, 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 blah. But you also want to see, like, what their off-ball facility is. Uh, spacing the floor is, is something usually easy to determine. Uh, what kind of passes they make, uh, what they're doing on defense, if they're active, if they're trying to help, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Good rotations, things like that. Um, the, and then you've got kind of like, what are the rare skills? What is not easily duplicated somewhere else? Um, and I don't know how to balance all of these things confidently. <laughs> like I came down, I did come down with my five. I, I literally just figured it out about an hour ago, but I can see where I might be wrong. And so I'm going to start. And my number five player is Jonquel Jones. Uh, just uh, I'm going to list some stats. Uh, these stats are for points per 100, or sorry, uh, amounts per 100 possessions. Uh, and it's over the, th the last uh, three years, post-Wubble, because uh, I like three-year peaks to, to kind of just likes us out how a player is not it doesn't necessarily always apply like how sh how somebody played in 2021 isn't going to have a bearing and how they played in 2024 per se um but it was just something that kind of gave this shape a little bit uh she is 16th in in points per possession um uh she is where's the true shooting sixth in true shooting percentage uh, 63rd in assists, third in defensive rebounds, fifth in offensive rebounds. She's a tremendous rebounder. Um, oh, and this is also a limit, a limit of uh, 1,000 minutes, just so you are you know what the, the limit is there. Uh, turnover prone, 94th in turnovers, 82nd in personal fouls. She obviously has some of those things that, some of those weaknesses that keep her from going. Uh, 14th in fouls drawn. Uh, second in plus minus over that period, which is kind of interesting. Fifth in offensive rating, fifth in defensive rating when she's on the floor. Um, uh, 12th in blocks, 67th in steals. Offensive efficiency, uh, as in the, this is from Synergy, uh, looking at their total number of plays, uh, uh, points for possessions used. Uh, 15th in scoring possessions and 16th overall. Uh, she is remarkably efficient. Efficient of all of the players I considered, she is 100% the best rebounder, best defensive rebounder, a beast in the post. Uh, defensively, uh, she is kind of a groundbound rim protector. I would call her not necessarily the best in operating in space. So 
in terms of of building a team around her, you would I think you would need uh, another big that is a bit more mobile and can can provide more help, uh, can get out on shooters, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I was just looking today uh, from 2018 on, I was looking at the best defenses and I was adjusting for for um, uh, opposing free throw shooting and three point shooting, which is which tends to be a little bit more luck driven. And the best team by far, best defensive team by far was the 2021 Connecticut Sun. Uh, she was a big part of that. Alyssa Thomas was was not on that team. That was the year she was injured. She was only played 37 minutes in the regular season on that team. I think that was largely centered around JJ and having a bunch of athletic defenders around her. So I feel confident that she can definitely spearhead a very, very good defense. Uh, she is kind of a black hole in the post. Um, shot creation is not her forte, but she can step out and hit threes. And that is pretty darn useful as well. And we've seen how she reacts. You know, she operates in the playoffs. She had a very good playoff this year. The biggest red flags, I think, are the past two seasons where she's only played like 27, 25 minutes uh, a game. But she did ramp that up to 32. I don't I don't know how why the limitation on minutes, if it's a conditioning thing or what's going on. But uh, as, as long as she's capable of ramping it up in the playoffs, then I don't think I'm. I'm too worried about it, but it is it is something to consider. She had the lowest defensive load as in plays per game uh, of of any player that I considered. That was something that you kind of need to have some playmakers around her. Um, but I, I still feel that she kind of stands apart uh, f- uh, for, you know, uh, when when we're looking at players to potentially bring you championship equity. So I had her fifth. Uh, did anyone not have her in the top five? Uh, she made the top five of mine. Okay. She's not in my top five. Okay. Uh, what was what what held you back on JJ? When I I think it was the fact that we do have moments both in playoffs last year and earlier this year where JJ could kind of disappear. Hmm which is surprising, um, but happened. Um, And so when I was looking at who was dominating a game and who does that consistently, um, she was not in my top five. Okay. Fair enough. Well then, Becky, who was number five for you? Uh, Number five is Chelsea Gray. Nice. Yeah. Um, I'm excited, all podcasts, to argue why you're wrong snap while having done a fraction of the research that you did to prepare <laughs> uh for this <laughs> um uh you that's know that's how we operate <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i my the the top five i've switched up this order literally as we've been talking and uh i don't really know um if my top five is in the right order for the top five but you know look at last year's playoffs was there anyone more dominant than Chelsea Gray um, in terms of just taking over those games? Um, you couldn't ignore she was hitting things everywhere when she wanted a shot, when she wanted to score, she scored. And she just exerted her will all over uh, the finals. Um, so she's she's one of the best. That's why she's on my list. There you go. <laughs> All right, MJ, who was your number five? My number five is actually the same as yours. 
Oh, and it's a uh, JJ. It's JJ, yeah, because okay. yeah, because of the MVP uh, potential, because of the Defensive Player of the Year uh, accolade, of course, and pretty much what you said. She can anchor, and you can you can build around her as with her being a focal point. You know what I mean? So, yeah, she you know that's part of my criteria. So, she makes the list for that very reason. Okay, Stephen. So I have John Quill Jones in my five as well, but not number five. So should okay. I speak my JJ piece now or should I wait until we get- uh, you can wait, 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 okay. wait, we get to it for you. Awesome. So number five, I had Alyssa Thomas. Um, also, just quickly, I did Chelsea Gray was the last player I had uh, out outside of this five. I just wanted to bring her up because Becky was mm-hmm. talking about her and the utmost respect for Chelsea Gray. Just, you know, barely not on this list for me. Um, but Alyssa Thomas, I, I had her number five for the third best player. Um, I mean, to me, she, despite some of the numbers that you were just running through um, for John Quell and Connecticut's defense, like Alyssa Thomas to me is just like the Connecticut Sun regular season machine. You know, I think she's probably for the players, the nine players that I've considered here the biggest floor raiser on the list. If I could only take one of these players with like just a league average supporting cast with the goal of sneaking into the playoffs or maybe even getting up to like the fifth seed or something like that. Mm. I think Alyssa Thomas is probably the best pick for that. Um, but not necessarily, you know, the, the weightiest um, criteria for me. I think, you know, this is what I was alluding to before as well. You could make a case that she's a better regular season player than a couple players I have higher on this list, including John Quill Jones, who I'll get to. Um, but she definitely, as we know, comes with her own limitations. Uh, I think the biggest thing that you can point to is, you know, Dewana Bonner largely having to slide over to center when Bree Jones went yep. down because of Thomas's lack of size. I mean, of the bigs that we'll probably largely be talking about or or did consider for this list, like she's a different type of defensive player than any of them because she just doesn't have that typical power forward or center size. You know, you just want her wreaking havoc at the point of attack or or uh, trapping ball screens rather than kind of protecting the rim be- because of those limitations. And this is something that you were on all season snap, you know, the efficiency is just never going to be there even outside of this season where she just had like this wild creation burden in her efficiency took an even larger hit than usual. You know, basically all the best bigs in the league are giving you 58% true shooting yeah. or better year in and year out. And Alyssa Thomas is just never going to get you there for everything else that she does. Well, like she's always going to be kind of a, a below average efficiency for a star big, um, you know, partly because she doesn't shoot threes, partly because she's not an amazing free throw shooter, but she's also just not that efficient of a two point score, you know, right. as some of these other star bigs. But what she does, you know, she's she's made finals as arguably the most important player on her team. She, you know, this team lost Brianna Jones and it was inconsequential for how good of a team they were. You know, they were going to be the third best team in the league with or without Brianna Jones. And, and Alyssa Thomas is just a, a huge reason for that. Um, and I guess the other thing I consider too, before I move off of here, her for why, you know, she was third in MVP. So maybe people are probably thinking that she's just too low on this list for me, but something that I I maybe factored too heavily into this is I think of the pure bigs I considered here for this spot, I think she matches up the worst against the two best players in the league, Asia and and Brianna Stewart, Yep. you know, particularly in her offensive game, I, I think 
Asian Stewie can largely mitigate AT's offensive game in the half court. And I think they're just both like very, very comfortable ball racking her when she's guarding them because of the size limitations. So those all, all those things kind of, you know, factored into why I had her on the list, but not maybe as high as the player who came in, I guess, second in in MVP. I I said third, but uh, of course she was not third. Right. I I could not square that. She's very difficult uh, because I don't think that the, uh, the percentage metrics, especially the synergy stuff really captures everything that she does since she's an amazing transition passer and that doesn't quite get recorded and largely the engine of of an amazing transition team this past year um but yeah the that true shooting which was what what was it uh it was 70th among the 104 players the offensive uh the synergies that had her 81st uh, and then 88th when you included passing but it doesn't really i don't know i i i, I didn't really consider her that way because she adds an obvious element to their transition game, which I you, I can I don't know if if I'm correct in saying that I think it can it, it gets her up to or at least last year it it, it probably got her up uh, to average efficiency, um, but it was it was really hard to square with the especially the off ball thing uh, where I, that was one thing I was really considering for for players in terms of championship equity if they don't have the ball how useful are they necessarily and I just uh, that was that was kind of where Alyssa fell off for me. She didn't make my top five, incidentally, because I'm a hater or whatever. But um, yeah, it was just the lack of the the three point shooting, uh, the and then yeah, it was just the general lack of shooting in general, which kind of made it hard for hard for me to get there. Uh, moving on, uh, I will get up to number four here. Uh, I didn't. I really struggled with where to rank this player. Uh, I had her out. I brought her back in. The The watching of the video uh, increased her, uh, her, her, my view of her uh, because she was a better defensive player than I, I thought that she was initially. Um, her numbers are a little reduced basically because she's, I think she's played with largely terrible teammates. Um, over the past year. And that is Nafisa Collier. That was my number four. Uh, one thing is that we can definitely verify, she is a tremendous uh, volume scorer uh, on decent efficiency. She has a very uh, versatile offensive skill set. Can do a little bit of everything, post-up, spot-up, cuts, blah, 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 uh, all over the place. Uh, it was it was looking at the defense because that was the one thing I was I just generally remember being kind of impressed with her this year on defense and uh, looking at it closer I I got even more impressed. She was essentially Minnesota's defensive hub this season, and uh, a lot of that involved basically performing as a center or performing as a power forward and having to deal with drop coverage and having to deal with covering up for for teammates. Uh, and this and that, her on-off and things like that are are a bit lower than other players on this list. Um, uh, but I, I just I don't think that she's been being used to her full capabilities. I think that there the the number of times that I saw her slip coverage and and get open uh, somewhere on the court, and then only for the whoever the Minnesota point guards' <laughs> inability to completely find her. 
Uh, it happened a lot. It's very, it's kind of frustrating paying attention to her when you're on the court, when she's on the court, because there were just a lot of times where, you know, it just wasn't happening. She puts pressure uh, on the other team, pressure at the rim. Uh, good uh, defensive playmaking uh, in general, pretty good in, in blocks, steals, things like that. Uh, just a very useful, versatile player who who could deal with a lot and i think in a vacuum since we're kind of talking about these players in a vacuum uh if we were talking about an one you know uh, a decent point guard or a championship caliber point guard who somebody who might have qualified as like steven says if you get two of these players you have a championship shot i think she would she would really shine uh, even more than she has and i thought she had a sensational year this past year uh my only caveat with her is a very suspect outside shot. I, I don't know if if you want her to be the defensive hub or the inside scorer necessarily, surrounded by five outside players. So that kind of, uh, I, I think that causes a little bit of a wrinkle when you're trying to p match her up in a championship team. Can she go outside and, and space for other people? I'm not 100% sure that she can. But I think in many other ways, like her her off ball movement, the way she was con she constantly moves around on the floor and and gets gets defenses to have to bend to her, uh, made her exceptionally useful for me on that end. So that's Nafisa Collier. Um, I'm going to assume that some people did not have her in the top five, and whoever you are, please speak your piece. <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> uh, she. I've been playing musical chairs this whole time for real. So same to the point where I'm, if I do my fourth next, I got a question hmm. for all of you. What's the question? Brittany Griner or, uh, Neka Akwumake? Well, uh, I'm going to deal with that question later. <laughs> <laughs> that question is also answered at some point on my list. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I I don't I don't know. Uh, I I don't want to go next. I I don't know. Let Becky go. You don't want to go next. No, because I'm still playing musical chairs. They're still Doug Doug Goosing right now. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I was. Uh, I I literally rearranged this several times. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to to try and get it. So Becky, I guess I guess you're up. Um, I feel like this is. I don't know if this is the most wild card of what I'm doing. And it may be just influenced by recency bias, but I have Skylar Diggins-Smith and Ooh. recency bias by, we talked about her last week. Yes. She was all WNBA first team. The last two seasons we saw her. Um, uh, and we don't know what she's going to be like when she comes back. Um, but if she's staying at the level she was when she, we last saw her, she is one of the top seven I guess is sort of like most dominant players I think yeah um she's my only guard on the list yep. um, Wait, did you have Chelsea at five? Oh nope yep so she's not the only guard on my list she's, <laughs> <laughs> she's one of two guards on my list <laughs> I appreciate that by the way because it, it's like when people try tend to think of these things they think of the you know the bigs the power forwards and the and the centers and trying to find room for those playmaking guards or equate them and, and, and how they match up is, is real interesting. It, yeah. That was, that was where I was trying to balance things. It's like, do you, a superior offensive player who is mostly known for being an offensive player and may not provide much 
in terms of defense, uh, like how do they stack up? Where where do you start preferring somebody like that? Because there's not a lot of them. Yeah, but I, she she absolutely shapes the game around her with her pace, with her agility, the way she can um, drive to the hoop if you're not paying attention, but she's also an incredible playmaker for others. Um, you have to know exactly what Skylar's Diggins-Smith is doing on offense at all times if she has her hand on, hands on the ball. Um, and she is, I mean, you know, her and Brittany dragged that 2021 team to the finals with not a whole lot around them. Um, just those two alone. So mm-hmm. I'm hope I'm just, I'm excited. She's going to come back this year and, and be the sixth best player. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Skylar on your second team, all WNBA. Appearance. Yeah, no, really. really she should be you. higher because she's got, <laughs> she's a consistent first team. So we'll see. Cool. Cool. MJ, are you done? Are you ready now? This is bad. Let's go for it. Just just throw it out there. Because that just make that made all the sense in the world. Um I wanna I truly want to go with BG. Okay. But um um I don't know. I don't I don't know that I will. I'm gonna probably shove her out under well, John Quill. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with NECA because Okay. I feel like she's just seen what we've seen from L.A. and just how steady she's been. If she just has the right complementary pieces around her, they can get somewhere. You know what I mean? Like she's the type of player where if you have, uh, you know, like another star come over or, you know, we talking about we did the Skylar watch last week. You know, Skylar go over there. Boom. They, they're probably a, a finals like contender instantly. And that's not possible without NECA. You know what I mean? So I see her as that. I mean, she was able to do it with the injuries that they had, all of the roster just changes over from last season into this season, from women having Destiny Henderson over there to the Samuelsons to, you know what I mean? Lexi going down. Like, it's just been a lot of shuffling going on over there. And for them to still flirt with the playoffs, you know what I mean? Like, especially the type of momentum they had going towards the end of the playoffs before it kind of just flamed out. But if they could have maintained that, they could have been real dangerous. You know what I mean? Like a, a true wild card team. And it would have been because she's at the center of it. You know what I mean? So I, I'm going to put her there and I'm only okay. shoving BG out because it was just a, Hey, BG, we glad we got you back season. Phoenix wasn't really, you know what I mean? Like, cause they could have did something better around BG. I mean, I mean, not roster wise, but just maybe schematically, and maybe getting Diana Taurasi to come off the bench at some point. Sixth woman of the year. <laughs> Can't even get her off the Olympic team, and you want her to come off. The bench. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sixth woman of the year. Hey, Diana, <laughs> we'll make you the logo for a day. Just win the award. Um, <laughs> sure, I'm sure but, she'll be right on top of that. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like so, I'm I'm a I'm a roll with Neca because yeah, you put her cool. with you or you put her back with that LA team and they just have a clean bill of health. Yeah, that's a totally different outcome. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Stephen, who you got number four? This is where I had John Quell Jones, so just hmm. a little bit higher than MJ and Snap. Um, but I I just think once you get to the the playoffs, you know, 
I, I agree with basically everything Becky was saying about not really being that level of, of dominating force, especially consistently. Um, but I think she is just a little bit more of a, a ceiling raiser than Alyssa Thomas. Um, you know, the minutes, like you said, snap, they were, they were down and they're a little bit lower than maybe like the typical superstar type neighborhood of player. Um, but I mean, you know, the Liberty made the finals with Brianna Stewart posting a, a 38% effective field goal percentage. In, exactly in the right. She was, she was the best, their best player in the playoffs. Do we I, all agree on that? So. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, like you were saying also not a perfect defensive player. There are definitely situations you want to avoid getting her into, but I think of the, the defensive or, or the players that I had seriously considered for this list, like she's probably the most impactful defender on, on this list, even still, even given her limitations in space and stuff like that. You know, she's good for basically 60% true shooting every single season. She's, you know, behind only Griner and Falls in terms of bigs for just mm-hmm. how many seasons they'll give you 60% true shooting on on real usage year mm-hmm. in, year out. Um, you know, the self-creation in the post, like like you both, Becky and, and uh, Snap were saying, like she's not a self-creator really. Like she's at her best when she's a, a complimentary dependent offensive player but i also thought that this was maybe you know her best stretch in in the playoffs of kind of doing a little bit of that self-creation there were definitely moments when you know i think we would all consider kia stokes to be out there for her defense and and in yeah. a lot of those one-on-one post-up matchups like john quell was was cooking for a little bit oh but, for sure <laughs> you know that being said like she's played in three finals now i think this most recent one was probably her best individual finals she's had out of the three and that amounted to, you know, two dominant quarters in a very good game three in, in a completely non-competitive series. So, like, what does it really get you? I, I'm not really too sure. But, um, you know, we're, we're talking about players that, again, I think are more either second best player on your team or, or first best player with a, a really close second best player. And I think John Quill can can certainly fit that mold for you. So you you raise you what you mentioned before about the the best defensive player that is not one or two. Who would who who would you think about for that consideration? Uh, and we're not we're just talking about anybody, like the the best uh, defensive defensively additive player or defensively impactful player who is not Asia Wilson or Brianna Stewart. Who would you have there? Hmm, I don't know. That that's a good question. I I don't want to <laughs> leave anybody out and yeah. feel like a fool later. Um, I mean when. I, I'm hesitant to say John Quell Jones. I don't think she's she's that level of a player because You're of right. the limitations. But uh, I, I who who popped to mind when you were asking the question? A healthy Candace Parker. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. That that makes yeah. sense. I mean, one hundred percent. That was like the first player who came to mind. I think Shakira has that potential. Uh, just her defensive metrics are off the chart, and I'm just impressed every time uh, I I watch her. At the same time, she kind of got torched by tina charles last year or i think basically all the things that john quell really excels at defensively you know a healthy candace parker does just like a little bit better you know that yeah. player that can just kind of play center field and, and completely oh you have a four that doesn't need to be guarded like all right well then you're just not going to score at the rim because uh, i'm just going to camp out here. yeah even as you know a supporting role player on the aces i thought she was sensational on defense so it's just, yeah, that was like, it was like, that's kind of what I feel what like the league is missing is that, that defensive player who just puts a post player, I should say, uh, the rim protector who just put like, puts like the, the fear of God into you. It's like, all right, we, we, we can't get anywhere near 
And that's that's what made this exercise so interesting is that there was just nobody who jumped out immediately as this is the defensive this is this is the anchor right here of an elite defense uh, that isn't Asian Wilson or Brianna Stewart. It just doesn't seem to exist. All right. Um, okay. Uh, moving on to number three. So we were talking a bit about uh, about guards, uh, and this is the only guard on my list, and I, I think it's going to be a surprise. Uh, for everybody so let me go through who i didn't pick uh and and we've already talked about one of them um i didn't pick skyler uh largely because of if we're, ta we're talking about championship equity i think your offensive uh ceiling is is basically how is skyler doing when she has the ball uh she is not really much of an off-ball player uh she is you know a human transition uh player in her own right kind of the way that Alyssa is um a little like like if she doesn't have the ball then then I'm not really confident about the shot I I thought I was but then I just realized that part of that was the wobble and and the the great many things it did for a few players while they were there uh she's okay uh the last three years she's uh like 33 percent basically which is not terrible but as Skyler goes, the the most impact Skyler can have is with the ball in her hands, and I kind of feel like any player for if that's a requirement, that it's a little bit limiting. Uh, we we can kind of see what passing and you know sharing the ball and moving it around and stuff uh, really does for teams. Uh, she's best when she's driving as well, not necessarily when she's operating from the perimeter in terms of her her passing abilities. Um. Just to also kind of piggyback on this, that was also the reason uh, for for not having Jewel Lloyd, who Wait, I think. Can I say something about Skylar? Very oh, quickly? for sure. Go ahead. Two two things actually, Becky. I was very. I don't have her on my list, but I was pumped when you said her name. It got me really excited. Um, a huge Skylar Diggins Smith fan. But the one thing that I think just kind of held me back a, a little bit was I think, unlike a a small guard who I'll get to on my list, her size has held her back a little bit in the playoffs in terms of once you get to those final couple of rounds she's, she's had that kind of big drop in efficiency and, and she's had a i think more trouble finishing oversize and kind of getting all the way to the rim which is a very very critical aspect of her game and i think we saw that against vegas and chicago a couple of years ago yeah uh, the, the i think this kind of goes a little bit for players that are very free throw reliant as well is that there's less of a tendency to call some of those drives uh and then those those free throw attempts just kind of turn into missed field goal attempts uh, in a lot of cases, that was the way it was for Asia. Uh, I think prior to uh, twenty, yeah, uh, prior to twenty twenty two, she was having trouble getting the the free throw dipped uh, in the playoffs. Uh, is just because they the refs just weren't calling them as much, um, and and she found a way to kind of work around it and and assert herself even more. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's another thing. Um, another ball dominant player, ball dominant guard who has uh, the, the efficiency is kind of middling. Uh, the probably the best scoring guard in the league, uh, Jewel Lloyd, uh, who actually operates at above average efficiency, uh, even with kind of a, you know, a below average true shooting percentage. Um, these past couple of years on heavy volume, she is a tremendous floor raiser. Of, of course she has, uh, uh, managed to merge herself into two championship teams. Uh, I'm not counting Wubble Jewel Lloyd, who was absolutely sensational, but uh, outside of the Wubble, her 
her true shooting percentage tends to tends to uh, vary around basically around league average. Uh, first few seasons, she was like a little above it, point and a half above it, uh, a percentage point and a half above it. And the last two seasons, she's like below a percentage point and a half above it. And this is somebody who is very, very good at raising the floor of a less, uh, you know, a, a, a less uh, uh, talented offensive team, which she has did this past year uh, in Seattle. Uh, so it came down to three uh, for me. Um, I didn't consider Courtney Vandersloot because I couldn't think of an argument for her that I wouldn't think, you know, uh, make an even better argument for Chelsea Gray. So that kind of popped her out of the list. Uh, it came down to Chelsea Gray, uh, Sabrina Ionescu, and Kelsey Plum. And I think in terms of of overall creation, uh, Chelsea and Sabrina are are the two uh, you know the two more voluminous in terms of that. Uh, in terms of overall usage, they're all very high. I think uh, I think they're three through five on the list total of everybody that I I looked at below uh, below Jewel and below Skyler. Um, uh, but I did not go with Sabrina. Uh, I, I still think that some of her decision-making isn't quite there yet. The way that some of the choices that she makes on offense, she is a tremendous plus-plus positive passer uh, who who generates a lot of shots for for her teammates at the rim. Uh, I didn't I didn't even really look to consider defense too much. Obviously, she's not a great defender, but uh, I think it's kind of exacerbated a bit uh, by having. Uh, Courtney and or Marina as as your backcourt mate where you you can hide even less. I think if she had, you know, basically an average defensive shooting guard or a slightly above average defensive shooting guard, then it would be as big an issue and would be something you could probably more easily ignore. Uh, it is basically just the offensive decision making that has kind of led to a little bit of a dip in efficiency uh, over Chelsea and Kelsey. Um, and then what this what it came down to was was the versatility of offense, how you would fit in to a team uh, running many different kinds of things. And I wound up going with Kelsey Plum at number three. And what really set her apart for me was the amount of the percentage of, of transition opportunities that she gets. 16.5% uh, of her possessions over the past three years have been in transition. She is what is uh, the overall overall percentage uh, in terms of uh, uh, scoring? She's 14th in terms of of scoring plus passing. She's 13th. Uh, she is 11th in points uh, per 100 possessions, and the true shooting is 11th. Uh, she's a voluminous three point shooter and a very very good three point shooter. Just the facility on ball, off ball, and the way she gets out when she she uh, gets the ball off the break, uh, she runs it immediately and is like ready to poke for any opening. She's like the ideal version, I think, of what Arike tries to do. Get out there and run. It's just that her decision making, I think, is better and she's more inclined to pull up and wait for the offense, which Arike is not so much inclined to do. Um, defense, uh, didn't really matter, but she does lock down during the playoffs. Uh, so that is another plus is that she can play point of attack. And, you know, I, I think for most of the regular season, the past two years, she hasn't been great in the regular season. 
And then she's tidied it up in the playoffs and she, she goes over screens and she herds people towards the middle and does all of the things that you kind of want your point of attack guard to do. I don't really consider her a plus defender, but it's, it's at least something. I don't think she's a target out there, which is, is just as important as anything else. Definitely not a defensive playmaker or anything like that. I just love that versatility offense. You can, you can rely on her in the pick and roll. She's not as good a passer as Chelsea or Kelsey. Uh, I think what held back Chelsea for me is sometimes her, her unwillingness to shoot. Uh, If she shot, like threes with the, you know, the same uh, lack of, of what, a, what, a, what's the word I'm looking for? Hesitation. Like Chelsea will hesitate on shooting a three and then she'll step in and she does, you know, her, her thing where she, she takes, you know, dribbles it around and takes a, takes a low percentage shot, but still makes it anyway. Uh, which is, is always fun to watch. Uh, Kelsey will just like, She'll throw it up, and you know she's she's a forty percent three point shooter basically. So that's just it's a simpler way of dealing with it. It's not as cool, but it, it gets the job done. Uh, so yeah, I think she can. I mean, the way that basically they, they were able to bring in Chelsea and have Kelsey play off guard and just and like just be uh, mostly a shooting guard uh, is great. I think if she were the starting point guard, she would be just fine. She wouldn't be the, the, the value added passer that Chelsea or Sabrina are is, but I think she would do just, just fine. Her scoring is great. Her ability to get out and score in transition, generate transition opportunities. I love it. Um, that's why she's here. Uh, I just think that she is a very, very somebody when we're talking about scalability with good teams. Uh, I think that she is as scalable as any guard in the league and is able to provide a good offense. Is there anyone who wants to to make an argument against Kelsey Plum or has something to say who maybe doesn't have her on this list? Too low. I'm out. Too low. Oh, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Nice. I really, really like it. That's awesome. Too low. <laughs> Was not expecting that. He wasn't uh, even in my top nine. Uh, wow. <laughs> Yo, oh my God. You're, you're not alone. You're not alone. That's this is why this is a big game of musical chairs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel confident in this. This is not was was not where I was expecting to going, but when I started considering everything, um it just it, Kelsey stands out. She's just like really versatile in, in terms of generating offense. And I really like that. All right. Uh MJ number three. It's a boring pick. It's Alyssa okay. Thomas. We already know triple double machine. Uh, can can be plugged in and played if your star player goes down and somehow make things work. I don't know how, but does as long as she has shooters anyway. Um, can make that happen. Um, um I mean, I don't know what else to say because you. How many of you had uh, Alyssa already? Then two uh, like number five. I think just me. Yeah. Oh, just you. Okay. Okay. Well, see, you get it. So he he pretty much broke it down as far as you know, just what she brings to the table. We all know what she brings to the table, and we do know her limitations, which is the thing that may make you you know hold her out from being top five. But I can see her as being someone who, hey, if she if she was in L.A. with Neca. Maybe they actually do make the playoffs. If she was in Chicago, maybe that attack is a little bit more uh, like it's, it's executed more properly than 
okay, uh, Courtney Williams is pushing right now to the point where I thought Courtney should have pushed point guard. But then it's like, well, you still got Kalia Copper over here, too. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Alyssa Thomas would have probably brought a little bit more order over there. You put Alyssa in Atlanta. All of a sudden, they don't have a point guard. Well, now they do. You know what I mean? So it's she is that that piece that I think can be moved around and be used as a, as a glue, I think, to solidify at least how your offense will be ran. I won't say that she translates to the defensive end. You know, I won't go that far, but mm-hmm. it's some teams now that didn't make the playoffs that surely would have made the playoffs with her for sure. You know what I mean? And then with uh, Brianna Jones healthy, they had the potential to maybe get to the finals, maybe upset, who knows. But for her to do what she did, have that team is uh, seated as high as they were, and for her to put up what she did, I know on bad efficiency. Don't don't <laughs> don't tear don't tear into. I'm not saying it. anything. No, no, I mean no, because you're right. No, you're right. You're right though. Like efficiency. Well, thank you. I think I'm right too. But go efficiency on. is important. It is. I mean, because you can do everything you do, but if you're not doing it to where it's a plus, then. Yeah. I mean, is it all for nothing? You know what I mean? Like, if you're just yeah. doing it, then that means you are capable of doing it for you. But if it's not helping... Well, I gave her very serious consideration. It's it's rare that you can find, like, somebody who who is can serve as kind of a defensive fulcrum, even, even if she's not a rib, rib protector, who is also your your lead playmaker that's that's a lot to overcome yeah yeah it's just so. that it's just that what why why do teams win it's you can you can almost boil it down to to a, a true shooting percentage and turnover percentage uh yeah. f- for for your team and against your team and, and that will tell you just about everything yeah and that and that's a big deal so yeah. you know what i mean so yeah yeah so but she she made this list so <laughs> because she I, is I that piece it. Oh, and I have I have another piece that's much better than her, but yeah, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> wow, much better. Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> Becky, you're number three. My number three is Brittany Griner. Hey. Uh, oh. Yeah. What? Yep. 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 Um, I am kind of a. I'm not ignoring this year, but this year she wasn't fully back. I'm kind of, kind of looking at 2021. Okay. Um where I think she, I don't know. She was the best player in the playoffs in 2021 to me, um, Brittany Griner. When we talk about dominant, we talk about a player like Brittany where you have to just plan your whole day around this woman. Like you you need to know what she's doing, what you're doing about her. Um, she is such an efficient scorer. She is a great passer now. She's a little, for, like she, can't, she doesn't do threes yet, but she gets her... Uh, um, her little free throw shot down. So she's she's scary anywhere within the circle. Um, uh, so when, and I think I'm so guided by my definition of dominant that I think she she just has to be in the conversation. And I actually put I didn't put NECA there um, because. Uh, MJ said it like she's a very steady player, a very skilled player. But in terms of dominating, in terms of being the dominant player on the court, I think it's Brittany. So she's number three. You're really into dominance. You asked me to define best player and I defined it. And so that's what my guiding principle is. What do you want me to do? <laughs> I say, I, I, I submit. 
Boom. Boom. All right, Stephen, uh, what is your number three? Uh, so when, when I was kind of doing this exercise, I, like I said, I had nine players and had a hard time, especially in this top, this, this final three, but I, I basically ended up with like a top group of three, a middle group of three and, and a bottom group of three that I thought were kind of easy to eliminate. I definitely have rearranged this top three throughout this podcast, but number three, I'm going with uh, Nafisa Collier. Who hey, I, all right. I think the thing that I underappreciated about Fee before this season was just how much of a floor raiser she is. I thought of her as, you know, a, a top maybe 12 or so player that's very malleable, can just, you know, she can play the three, she can play the four, like regardless of how many star bigs you have on your team, she can just kind of slide in somewhere. Um, and I probably shouldn't have taken that for granted after 2020 when she basically had to shift to center and was the, the best player on the best offense in the league from the point that Sylvia Falls went down to the end of the regular season. But I think we all kind of write things off from, from the bubble. Right. But I think aside from Brittany Griner and maybe even including Brittany Griner, just maybe the best kind of need a bucket go-to score that we're talking about on this list and, you know, late game offense or things are kind of grinding down. I just need to create something of, of reasonable efficiency. And the reason I say maybe more so than, than Brittany Griner is just her ability to play a little bit more on the perimeter and kind of create off the bounce. Whereas Griner, I think is, you know, spoiler alert, I'll get to it, but probably the most dominant offensive player in this group, but hey. it's just easier for fee to kind of get to hers without, you know, a post entry pass or, or something like that. So um, like you said, snap it, it hasn't been great from from three um you know i think basically 28 percent or so from from three since the start of 2021 uh, but she is getting to the line at the best rate of her career um she did drag i think a team that you know other than maybe kayla mcbride through floor spacing like what player on the links is making life easier offensively for nafisa collier yeah exactly scoring 21 and a half a game on, you know, basically 57% true shooting. So she's a minutes monster. Like she's first in, in active players in minutes per game. She's been first in minutes per game, three of her first four seasons. You know, she's, she's an, an absolute workhorse in that regard. Um, I, I don't think her playoff resume really drives her one way or another, you know, she's had very good performances, including in the last two games against Connecticut this year, but of course also, hasn't won a playoff series yet um, and has had a, a couple stinkers in there. Um, but I, I think, you know, is, is this Minnesota team not to put too much on just sort of them wildly outperforming their, their point differential and, and probably having a higher record than they would have if you kind of ran this a hundred times, but is this links team like that much worse than, than the Seattle roster that was kind of vying for, bottom of the league with with the jewel lloyd i just think what she was able to do with this team and um have really good ladder to playoff games in, in a series that was made i guess somewhat competitive uh as opposed uh, in in addition i should say to the rest of her career you know she's she's in this conversation i think and um you know because she's able to just sort of do more self-creation than a lot of the players below her uh, I, I think that's kind of what separated her from me on on this list. Yeah, make no mistake. I, like I, I don't want to. I don't want to dog any particular player or anything. But they were horrendous. They really, really were. And especially, 
uh, aside from Dorka, who 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 provided some some decent defensive minutes in there, uh, Jessica Shepard, fun player, no kind of defender. Nina Milic, no kind of defender. It was she she was on an island quite often, and I thought she played really really well, like really really attentive defense. Uh, you know, uh, some very stiff. Uh, she doesn't get a lot of block shots, but she's very very stiff in terms of rim protection and and sizing up bigger players, keeping them from getting comfortable and things like that. That was where I, I was really, really impressed with the eye test is that it's like, wow, she's she was actually serving as a defensive hub for this team with very little help inside. As to, that's that's why what eventually won me over in terms of placing her. So excellent. I like it. Uh, my number two has already been mentioned. Uh, and and she could have easily been number one. I have I have arguments for her as number one, and that is Neka Agumake. Uh, very very interesting defense. This this was another one, but this is a fun exercise, by the way. If you ever just want to like, just randomly watch quarters of a of a player playing defense, uh, and you you kind of pick up a lot. Uh, when I was watching Neka and looking for Neka, and watching the Sparks play defense, they they finished. Uh, fifth by the way i think a defensive rating this past year um my initial thought was wait a minute is derica hamby the best defensive player on this team like it actually crossed my mind because she was so active and she was jumping out on ball handlers and she was protecting the rim and she was just like this this little hyperactive beast mode uh and then i decided to start watching some minutes without neca where derica was on and it did not go well it was a train wreck uh, Neka does not move around a whole lot, but she doesn't need to. Uh, the the overriding factor when she was on the floor is how unwilling other teams were to challenge her or whoever she was guarding. Uh, there was a game against Dallas where they had the Twin Tower thing going. They were playing both both uh, uh, Kalani and uh, Tierra at the same time. And who did they who did they uh, try to get the ball to? It was whoever NECA was not on, and that was that was just like a recurring theme that I kept noticing uh, when watching her play. She just assumed a center position. She would she would you know keep an eye out on the opposing center, and she played like largely center. I know she was playing with Azure uh, sometimes. Uh, she was the center of that defense. She was doing the drop coverage on the pick and roll. Uh, she was basically like the the hub in where the spokes all rotated around her. And that was why Dirica looked so great, is that Dirica was free to go run around, uh, chase ball handlers, and and uh, perform health defense at the rim, and just be like a general demon when she was out there. And the two of them were, were actually fantastic, and the, the numbers actually pointed out. It's like a 98.8 defensive rating when both of them were on the floor. It was absolutely sensational. Um, so there's that. Uh, I don't even really, you know, y'all know if you if you pay attention, uh, Neca is is a tremendous offensive player. Uh, she is a a great individual scorer, eighth in uh, points per possession over the past three years. Uh, true shooting percentage, uh, she ranks. Where is it? Uh, where is it? Fourteenth. Uh, Overall, almost 60% true shooting over the past three years. Uh, again, kind of like a, a couple of players, John Quell, like we talked about, uh, not necessarily the greatest 
playmaker, uh, shot creator for others, uh, fantastic, good rebounder, you know, uh, draws fouls, blocks shots, uh, steals the ball, everything you can imagine, all while maintaining like uh, and a varied offense as well. She she can pick and roll, she can post up, she can spot up. Uh, she doesn't shoot threes enough for my liking. She's a very good three point shooter. She just doesn't doesn't crank it up enough to have that be a real facet of her game. Kind of un, you know uh, hesitant to do that. Um, but like everything else, everything that you would want and. It, you look at kind of LA and I think we think like, Oh, NECA, you know, she's, you know, she's hasn't been making the playoffs or whatever. Uh, it's, it's been kind of a clown show there the last few years. <laughs> you want some deep, watch the Candace documentary again. Um, but she is definitely the kind of player who could just be an offensive and defensive hub for any team. And you could surround her with shooters, I think, and just a one good playmaking guard. I, and I, I honestly think that you can, you can challenge uh in that top four that we talk about that you could perform very well um yeah that's basically it is that she's she's reliable like the floor is is also very very high like i just can't see her you know having an off year bad performance type of year the the thing that you had had to worry about in the past was the occasional injury but none of these injuries that she's gotten like she got had mononucleosis i think one year um or just they're they're just not things that are constantly recurring uh yeah and just, that was enough for me i could have had her number one i have somebody else at number one though how, so. how much i did ultimately ding neca off the list because mm -hmm. there are uh, yes there it's been a clown show on the la sparks but yep two-thirds of the team two-thirds of the league make the playoffs every year for sure and she's been anchoring a team that hasn't made the playoffs in a while and but like, who, who's point, her best running mate? I know, but time. you know, at one point, at what point do you say, if you're not, you can't be the third best player if you can't drag your team to the playoffs? I guess that's the question for you, because for me, it was like ultimately, I was like, ah, what I'm thinking about when I made my final five, she was on my top nine, but she that. I, I get that what you're saying against it ultimately, you know, right? Uh, Coaches like in your in choices pudding. that you've you've went for the floor raisers, you've you've bent for the, the 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 primary scorers that that drive offense and things like that. Uh, and what I'm I'm more looking for is like scalability with good teams. I think is something that's more important to me. Uh, that's why I, it's a, the volume versus efficiency thing. And I would take that efficient player because she's she's efficient on on these crap teams, right? Even when she doesn't, she hasn't had the best point guards to help her out she still manages to score and she scores efficiently yeah she still manages to have a very good season every year without mm -hmm. getting her team across the finish line yeah. so she hasn't just hasn't had enough do you do you need you need supporting players that's what it comes down to i think i, yeah. I think it's just easier to forgive a lottery season than three consecutive lottery seasons on a team trying to make the playoffs like kind of going not all in, but pushing in what chips they have available. I mean, they also haven't had their lottery pick the last couple of years. So it's yep. not like they're expected to rebuild, you know, that they have been trying. Well, fair arguments. All right. Uh, MJ, who you got? Should I be chaotic and just pivot? Um, <sighs> This is, this is going to be boring now. I kind of want to pivot. I should just pivot for my number one. Yeah, I'll, I'll save it for my number one. Right now, I'll just pick Chelsea Gray. Chelsea Gray is um my number two, and it's for obvious reasons. 
Um, she of course is the lifeblood. Well, is she the lifeblood? What okay, so it's snap snap is your mic is your mic working? Are you here? I see I'm you here. muted. Okay, so I got a question. If if Chelsea is gone for the entire and any of anybody can chime in on this. If 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 Chelsea's gone, I'm I'm just bothering Snap because he's the champagne. He's champagne campaign <laughs> Vegas man. <laughs> the champagne you can't, campaign you can't hurt Vegas me. I'm man. <laughs> Vegas man. But um, <laughs> if uh if Chelsea's gone for this whole series, what's the series? Oh, you mean do you mean uh like how does it impact the team? Yeah, if it's zero zero and there's no Chelsea, what happens? And you're well, I think I, I think they'll still be fine. I mean uh. Obviously, she's terrific, and she she bends other teams uh, just as much as any other player. They 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 game plan her, which which is is something Becky really likes. Um, but I think any one particular player, they'll they'll still be okay. I think that the dominance over the best teams uh, diminishes and put pulls them back a little more to the pack. Asia would be the biggest uh loss obviously yeah uh but but she's if, if you're asking me see, here's here's the question here's this is i i know that a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this uh if i had to pick one to lose between chelsea and kelsey i would choose chelsea Cap is throwing shots at his own team. i'm not throwing shots at my own player of course i want her on the team and i want her <laughs> healthy and and all of that goodness i i want i'm, I'm here for champagne and rainbows buddy uh but <laughs> Kelsey's offensive offensive load is just a lot higher than people think it is. I think that between Asia and Chelsea, she kinds of kind of tends to get forgotten a bit. Uh, but she pushes she in terms of scoring opportunities, uh, she is number one on the team. And Especially. she isn't, uh, doesn't have the same playmaking skill and shot creation as Chelsea, but she also makes up for some of that with individual scoring, which Chelsea just doesn't do a whole lot. Yeah, I, I can I can see why you say that. Yeah, because she can she can shoot and then threaten you so much with her shot that she can just do whatever from that point on from the triple threat position. So she is she's yeah. she's a threat in her own right. Okay, well let me up to Annie a little bit. Okay, if Chelsea was not on last year's team in the playoffs after the All Star break when she got snubbed and then she flipped the script. Oh, we probably don't win. Oh, for sure. Okay, a lot, of, a lot of a lot of that the that playoff was, uh, it, we were very fortunate. We were fortunate that that Seattle traded for Tina Charles, because <laughs> 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 I think that really helped. Thank you, <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, we were yeah, and we have, obviously we were fortunate that that Chelsea just went super cyan and and went crazy, hey. uh, in in that playoff. Okay. Uh, there's a good chance, like you know, maybe Asia Asia does even more or something if she doesn't if that isn't the option. But no, I mean, if, if Chelsea isn't doesn't do what she did, we're we're likely not champions in 2022. Okay, it's probably Seattle. That. <laughs> that was I was just trying to solidify my stance. I I appreciate you. Oh no time. no, I, it's <laughs> she was uh, she was. I think if I if we went up to six, I think she would have finished sixth for me. And I, again, I am so unsure about this whole thing. In terms of of where to rank players, like I literally considered all thirteen that I had on the short list because they all bring different things uh, to think about. 
and and especially in terms of when we consider scalability, it's like, what do you do? How are you with a good team? What does that open up for you? That kind of thing. That that was really important to me. So I considered like Satu Savali, for example. And I we can tell you what Jackie Young does when there's a good team surrounding her, right? Uh, she yeah. she turns into an efficiency monster the the way that she did. Um, eventually, it did come down. It did have it had to come down a little bit to offensive load and and how these players are able to constantly contribute over and over again. Uh, and that's what inevitably what led me to pick Kelsey uh, third on my on my list. All right, uh, Becky, who is your number two? My number two is Fee. Fee's a collier. Um, and we've talked about her plenty. I guess we all have her up there. Um, and mine was almost entirely based on this past season and largely just based on like the eye test in watching her play. And when her, when she played my team and just wanting anyone else to touch the ball besides her, just like, don't let Nafisa Collier get anywhere near it. That um, is a very good sign. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like every time she touches the ball, I wince because like, we're it's, it's done. We're over. Um, and, you know, this was really only her fourth season um, in the league. Um, and uh, part of this is a little perspective. And then I think if she maintains this, um, like, I don't see her dropping down from where she was this year. I see her getting even better. Um, and we've talked about, you know, the pieces she's had around her, which um, were good, but not as good as some other teams. So um and she did that for them so she's been number two there you go steven hit us with your runner-up i went with kelsey plum hey um, wow i thought i was going out on a huge limb there but now i feel some validation i am of the opinion that a guard who can put pressure on the rim off the dribble like actually just get by their defender without a screen get all the way to the rim force help off the bounce, finish oversize. That alone, I think, is is a valuable and, and very rare skill set in the WNBA. Add in the ability to hit jump shots, both spotting up and off the bounce. You, you probably have the rarest and most valuable skill set, in part due to scarcity in the league. So combine that even more with the, the ability to distribute a little bit, you know, she's not Chelsea Gray. She's not Courtney Vandersloot, but she, she gives you enough in that area as someone who can create for others. Uh, I, I think she just has a shot diet in terms of her dribble threes. That's pretty unmatched in the league. Uh, even aside from her ability to take and make step back dribble threes and, and these leagues, uh, these shots that just other players in the league are, are not really taking really that there's just not that many players that just can even generate the types of looks that she's getting from three and, uh, you know, off the bounce with her jump shot. She's also a 55% from two scorer for, for a guard on volume. I mean, all of that combined is really, really, really impressive. Uh, 55% from two on seven attempts per game. Like no guard has done that outside of the bubble in a decade, basically. Uh, and then, like I said, combine that with, with the volume. I think if there's, a league full of Kelsey plums offensively, like her defense would probably be a problem, but there, there's just not, she's not really, it's, it's not prohibitive to have her defensively, as you were saying, snap, like, is she a value added defensive player? No, probably not. Will, 
you know, Benajelini get into the post for her like uh, a couple times a game. Yeah, but like she's not so destructive towards your defensive concept that it's just impossible to have an elite defense with her out there and her offensive skill set is just the the rarest and and I think the most valuable, you know, most of the players that we're talking about are, are bigs. Um, you, you can find star, you know, there are 12 star bigs in the league. I don't think there are 12 Kelsey plums or, or anywhere even close. So, um, I, I guess I'll, I'll just wrap it up with like guards with consecutive seasons of, of 18 points per game on 60% true shooting this century. The list is Kelsey plum. No one else has done that since, you know, the turn of the century, um, in, in two straight seasons. So some pretty amazing guards have done it once. Uh, Diana Taurasi has done it a few times over the years, but never in, in two straight seasons. So Kelsey Plum is just a volume scorer on efficiency. That's pretty unmatched for, uh, you know, her position. Uh, I'm not going to clap into the mic, but I, I'm just, just realized that I am mentally applauding. It's a great argument for Kelsey Plum. I feel even better about having her on my team. It's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> uh, my number one player, uh, and MJ, I'm going to, Blow your mind, man. Uh-oh. Yeah. Blow your mind. Okay. Uh, number one for me was Brittany Griner. Ooh. And let Ooh. me get... Now I feel bad that I didn't have her on my list. Like let that. me let me get to the, 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 the few negatives that there are. Uh, we talk about a variety of offense. Brittany Griner definitely does not have a huge variety of offense. I think it was 60% of her plays are the post-up. And uh, in terms of offensive versatility, uh, when you're dealing with a Brittany Griner post-up, it's going to be a Brittany Griner post-up or a pass out of a Brittany Griner post-up. And nothing else is kind of going on uh, when that happens. Um, But it is probably the most reliable play in the game. Uh, In terms of uh, offensive scoring, uh, uh, offensive uh, plays of offensive scoring last three years, including playoffs. Uh, Brittany Griner is third overall, 1.08 points per possession. When you include passes, she's first. Uh, an argument you could make is, okay, but if Brittany Griner is clogging up the post, does that affect everybody else? Does that lower their own uh you know, their own offensive ability. Uh, It probably lowers their usage to some degree when that happens. It does not lower the true shooting percentage of anyone. I think there was only one player, Shea Petty, who played significant minutes with and without her, whose offensive efficiency dropped when Brittany Griner was in the game. Everybody else went up. And you can kind of see why when you watch is that she doesn't operate when she operates in the post. She's not she's not necessarily having to go for that deep seal. She can still leave the lane open for for passes to cutters uh, and things like that. Uh, She can operate 10 to 15 feet from the basket, and you still have a problem because she's an amazing mid-range shooter. Um, uh, She is just, she is, when you take away Brianna, you take away Asia, I think she is the best defensive player in the game. The one you can rely on the most. She is second overall in points per possession over the last three years. She is third in true shooting percentage. She's just an offensive dynamo. It's not the most exciting offense, but it is reliable. This includes like this past year 
um, where, you know, she was obviously uh, not quite herself, still brilliant offensively. Um, but when you take into consideration this past season, uh, she can only play like 25 minutes a game. She clearly did not have the energy on defense. Uh, and, you know, not her best year, but, but it was also incredible extenuating circumstances. I don't think that is a reflection necessarily of Brittany Griner. I think that's just a reflection of the circumstances that she found herself in. Uh, defensively, uh, when I went back and I looked, uh, I decided to look at 2021. Because uh, if you go through history, Brittany Griner has not anchored a top half defense since 2015. So you could you could question uh, whether she's an effective defensive player. And it's kind of hard to find evidence in terms of on-off and things like that that she necessarily is. But the eye test was very nice. Uh, I, the eye test uh, really impressed me with her. Uh, she is very she was very mobile in 2021. She was bouncing around on her heels all over the place. Uh, obviously, the height and the shot blocking capability is dissuades uh, a lot of forays into the basket. But just her overall defensive awareness, knowing when to help, uh, knowing when to stop when she when like, OK, Brianna's got this. I don't need to go over and help out that kind of thing. Uh, she was tremendous. They were still not great, even in 2021, because they had Skylar Diggins-Smith and Diana Taurasi as their, uh, and Sophie Cunningham as their chief perimeter defenders, and and none of them I would consider to be plus perimeter defenders, so there were a lot of holes uh, that were necessary to cover. I but I think Skylar even... a good defensive season that year. Yeah, right? Like... Yeah, but uh, I thought her personally, uh, I thought she was fantastic. Um, it's just she's now has a full off season to recover and get back to it. I think a full, a fully loaded Brittany Griner is still, if you take away Brianna, if you take away Asia, she's the player that you can build around. She's the, probably the easiest player to build around. Uh, you just get a couple of shooters, one decent playmaker, uh, somebody who can, can run the rim and maybe provide a little help on defense. That's not too much to ask. And and yeah, I think she has plenty of championship equity. So she is my number one player. I hope the Mercury hear this and well, take they, they take action. <laughs> yeah, they should know. <laughs> but she's already she said during her exit interview she's not she's not going anywhere else ever. She's she's made her home in Phoenix. She's staying there. Just so we're clear on that. <clears throat> Who you got at number one, MJ? <sighs> I'm playing musical chairs right now. Well, you this only have is, one pick left, so there's nobody. Somebody's going to sit on the ground. This is very <laughs> tragic. Things have gone incredibly left in this list here, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen. Um, All right. Not factoring in health issues and in and outs, only factoring in expectations just because of her existence on the team and what I'm she glad has, you're going here. I like what that. she has already accomplished and proven, which will do nothing but back up me picking her. Um, her, her, just being able to have people speak of her with band aids all on every sentence in order to not slander or, 
you know, throw her down in the mud or I haven't heard no one say, oh, it's a rap. Oh, she's washed or she'll never get back to this or that or she'll. I picked Elena Deladon as my number one. And it is simply because we even had the expectation of the the uh, mystics being one of the top four seeds. We had expectations or like belief that they could be the team that could really give um, New York and um, Las Vegas issues. And, and for some reason, she gives Brianna Stewart issues like period anyway, it seems. Um, I learned like, you know, during their matchups and then going back a little bit to, to some history. It's not every game, but Brianna has issues with EDD. Um, and just knowing that if that team was healthy, if EDD was healthy, they could have probably had a real good chance at beating New York and they could have been in the finals and a healthy, fully healthy EDD, fully healthy Mystics team that we seen could have, especially having perimeter defenders for what we're saying. You know what I'm saying? You guys mentioned Kelsey. Um, and uh, uh, I wanted to actually put Jackie Young on this list, but I didn't. And she's in my honorable mentions. But for players like Jackie and Kelsey over there, they have the defenders especially if uh, EDD is fully healthy to compete for a championship. You know, I'm not going to say they could just win it, but that's competition. That's really good competition. So my number one pick is EDD because she's everyone's problem and including her own until she gets fully healthy. And when she does, I think the sky is the limit. I don't think there's a clear, at least I don't know of, you know how everybody has like the one team or player that just, has their number. I don't know that anyone has her number. So I chose EDD for that reason, because it's like, as long as she's healthy, I don't, you know, it's never just, oh yeah, no, nah, they're not going to win. No, nope, it's a wrap for the mystics. Like I'll never say that. I'll have to see it. You know what I mean? I'd rather see it than say it. Uh, I just want to throw out a couple of, a uh, couple of stats here. She is fourth in points per position. Uh, over the past three seasons when she's been on the floor. But the other, the, the one stat that kind of blew me away mm-hmm. is offensive rating when she's on the floor for the Mystics pl- goes up plus nine. Yeah. <laughs> nine points per 100 is that when she's one? on the floor. I was curious a little bit. I was wondering a little bit if she still had the same gravity. She definitely does. Uh, that is That is also where the eye test came in for me with her is the way that teams will load up. Uh, wherever she is, yeah. you're going to have three players on that side of the floor. Uh, and in 2022, uh, that really helped. <laughs> <laughs> no, last year, not so much. Last year, she looked like she was kind of traveling in mud a little bit. Uh, but yeah, okay. uh, especially I watched yeah. that two game series against Seattle uh, where she was on Stewie. Uh, she did mm-hmm. a really good job of uh, chasing Stewie around uh, yeah. and and yeah, was moving around. Was it wasn't. Uh, planted uh uh the one she thing she did not do was help at all on defense she just followed stewie around <laughs> always had a hand on her uh, yeah. and did it did a pretty good i think stewie only got like the better of her once or twice mm-hmm. uh but she like if 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 she even when she was in the vicinity if somebody drove by her it was like oh what happened there 
Like, oh, that's not Brianna. Not my problem. Yeah, it's it not Brianna. It's not my not my table. <laughs> um, yeah, that was kind of what I was noticing when I was like trying to peg down her defense because I always thought she was a very good one on one. Prior to the past couple of years, I I've said it many times. She is was one of the best defenders on Asia. Is that mm. is just positioning, uh, using her height, her length. Uh, okay. She's very tall. <laughs> yeah, got long arms. Uh, she uses it really well. Uh, without having to move around too much. Uh, yeah, and she would just like Asia would do her move, and Bre- and Elena would be like, "Yep, keep going, keep going, do your move, do my, your fake, do your thing. Oh, you're going up for a shot. Boop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I <Yeah>. got you. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it was it's <laughs> madly frustrating. Um, but um, yeah, uh, I didn't include her just because at this point I don't know exactly what a healthy Elena Deladon looks like right now. It seems to kind of vary, even when she says, "No, I feel fine." My back is great. Everything is great. And it's like, well, then what happened at the end of this past season? Because <laughs> you didn't look great. What's going on? Um, and and that's just kind of it. It's like, I just don't know what shape she is. But I did absolutely consider her. And it's like, all right, if you get 50% of your games with Elena Deladon and you still have her around for the playoffs, is it is it enough? Is it kind of worth it? Uh, I just couldn't quite get her over that hump. But I, I like that you went there. Uh, and and picked her. It's it's there. Can make a definitely definitely make an argument for her being the best. And if she was healthy, I would absolutely have her number one. All right, uh, Becky, who you got? Yeah, I thought FJ, you were gearing up to say Candace Parker. Um, I, I thought about it when I said I was going to be chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> I thought well, about can- Candace. <laughs> Candace, I I considered. It was like I I don't know. Uh, uh, about her and EDD, I feel like would be on this list two years ago, right? I don't know. I wasn't sure for this coming season, which is what. Yeah, I'm like maybe even last on. off season, prior to this season, you would you you might have have both of them. Yeah, yeah. It's just and you know, I'm throwing out Sylvia Fowles. Season. If Sylvia Fowles hadn't retired, she would have definitely been in the top five. <laughs> Can you think about that? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Um. So my number one is Alyssa Thomas. Um. We've talked a lot about her on this pod. Um, and the various weaknesses in terms of efficiency. When I was, you know, obviously I was looking at my dominance metric. Um, and what's just is astounding to me about Alyssa Thomas is Stephen earlier on this pod was comparing her to other bigs. And to me, it was just like, that doesn't even make sense. Like it's how do you compare Alyssa Thomas to another player almost? She's got she's got a hard to define position. Um, I was even thinking of like maybe you compare her to like a smaller but like bulkier Candace Parker because of all the things she can do on the court. Um, obviously minus the shot blocking. Um, I just, she kind of like bends the game of basketball around her and around what she does. Uh, she's got a completely unique skill set and you have and the son have played through that skill set. And obviously they haven't won a, fi- a championship yet, but they are consistently in the finals. Um, and the their style of play has been focused around her. You have to adjust to her when she's on the court, and she's always on the court. Um, she's a monster on defense. She can just run straight through you and get to the um, rim if she wants to. Um, she's just this completely unique player that's done something out of this world this last season. Um, and I, I think it, you know, you can look at some of the efficiency stats and I get that, but it's also just like, look at what she's doing. 
She's like, she almost had an average of triple double on the season. Um, she's just doing something um, other players aren't. Um, I will say, Becky, I, I, I honestly, when I was like kind of stacking up players, I didn't rank her with the bigs. I ranked her with the guards. Because I think her yeah, best, like, her best uh, trait is, is her value-added passing. And it's like, yeah, she can defend. It's like, okay, she can't protect the rim. Well, neither can most guards. <laughs> right? Yeah, but, like, yeah, but compared to <laughs> what the guards also doesn't make sense, right? It like doesn't make sense to compare to like, another but, position. But if she's actually playing with a point guard and she is your roller, like she's very good at doing that too. Like yeah. she can do traditional big things very well. Mm-hmm. And she's someone that's shown, like we've seen with, you know, the Sun have been plagued with various injuries. Someone goes down. She is the person that's like, obviously it's the coach and the whole team system, but like she's making it work on all sorts of different types of rosters. Right. Um, That she is, you know, there are other players on this list that are very good bigs, but like when you need someone to handle the ball, they just can't do it. And that's fine. You don't need your big to be a full handler, but Alyssa Thomas is that as well. I have Uh, a question. Um, uh, That's kind of related to her here. What kind of player, I'm opening this up, the floor, open this up to everybody. What kind of player would be the, the player to put this current iteration of the Sun team over the top? What are they missing? I think it's the same thing they've been missing for, in, in the Alyssa Thomas era, it's just a very dynamic guard. Yeah, I was just about to say, Skyler. Like we just talked about this last <laughs> week. <laughs> but does that take away some of her facility if you're if you're having somebody handle the ball so much? That's that's why that's the like the argument that I keep running into with this Connecticut team is <laughs> is if you get a Skyler, is it stepping on Alyssa's toes? I I say no. Oh, oh you, sorry. Go I, ahead. Uh, well, I was gonna say I I think that her transition passing and her outlet passing is more valuable than her half court passing and i don't think yeah definitely um you know bringing in a ball dominant half court guard really diminishes it in in that way so i would say that's fair fair. as long as they can shoot right like i was thinking about it like candace parker is a really really good ball handling big and yeah she can bring the ball up the court um but she you know playing with traditional Port guards, she does great. But yeah, those transition passing and having a another option in a unique position still is a value add, even if she's not running the half court offense, which I don't think is her the best use of her abilities, even though she can do it, obviously. Hey, you don't have to convince me. I had her seventh on my MVP ballot last year. <laughs> seventh. Jeez. Don't rub it in champagne. <laughs> <laughs> that was bizarre <laughs> uh, it's a good thing the show isn't more popular I was getting screamed at alright All right. Uh, let's finish this up here Steven who is your number one I you know the wind is out of my sails a little bit I have to be honest I, I was prepared for this to need some defending uh, but I, I think you know evidence has shown that maybe it doesn't but I have Brittany Griner um, I think as we all have said, you know, two years ago, she was clearly the best player in the playoffs, just completely unstoppable on the way to a finals run. Not just huge numbers, but huge moments as well. Snap, I'm sure you remember that awesome finish she had over both Asia and Liz to tie the game late. No, I've blocked five. it out, but thanks, thanks for reminding me. Becky, I'm sure you remember those two massive like game-saving blocks she had to seal game two, the one game that they were able to steal from the sky in the finals. Uh, I, I think this is pretty clearly 
I mean, maybe not actually with Neko, but I was just going to say, I think this is pretty, pretty clearly the most dysfunctional situation of, of any of the players that, that we've talked about. And, you know, we don't have to get too much into the, the Tarasi of it all and the coaching situation, but it obviously has not been that conducive of a successful, you know, ecosystem, especially this year to, to have Brittany Griner play her best basketball. Um, and I think, I had noted this at one point in the season. I think 2023 Brittany Griner on the 2023 Mercury was maybe the best player on the worst team in the the six seasons that I started like really following the league on an every night basis. Yeah, 100%. Um, we were we we were saying at the beginning of the season we we couldn't imagine Phoenix missing the playoffs in the Brittany Griner era, and as it's 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 still kind of shocking that that actually happened. And and they were like the worst team, like not. They didn't miss the game, the playoffs by a game. You know, they weren't eighth in, in net rating, but they just kind of lost a couple of close ones. Like they were clearly like far and away the worst offense, worst defense in, in the league. Um, but I don't think that was really Brittany Griner's fault. Like I, I they, I, she, she's not really playing again uh, around a lot of players, in my opinion, that are really making her life easier. Uh, you know, kind of said the same thing about Nafisa Collier, but. You know, Brianna Turner for all her gifts, like playing next to a very good big, but one who undoubtedly I think makes offense more difficult for, for Brittany Griner as much as she is, you know, c- kind of the one good thing that the defense has going for it. Um, you know, she's obviously historically low usage and, and doesn't take shots outside of, you know, immediately at the rim. Um, she basically over the last five seasons or so is, is, you know, never playing alongside another big who has to be guarded. And she's still putting up, you know, 60% true shooting or higher on extremely high usage. I'm not sure there's one above average starter for their position in their entire starting five. And, you know, she's still able to kind of maintain her efficiency. But the real case, I think, is just that, like, when she's on a real team, when she's in a better situation, like we saw, which, you know, now is going to be three years ago by the time the season starts. But she was the most unstoppable player in the league. And I think if you have a real offense and in a real playoff team you know you're dropping her in a situation that has other above average starters on it which is kind of what you're th- thinking about when you're talking about a championship team you know uh my, my co-host eric said once that and it always stuck with me like you know the last time you couldn't double team britney grinder the mercury won 29 games and i think that's still the case like if, if you have to play britney grinder one-on-one like she's just going to give you as many buckets as, as you let her and she's obviously a great passer she's turned into one of the most reliable mid-range jump shooters in the league that 15 footer is is as reliable of a jump shot you know since i think going back to maybe like latoya sanders in in terms of just how good you feel about a a big actually taking a mid-range shot it's one of the few mid-rangers i think you you really you know you'll you'll live with as an offense um i do think maybe of all the guards or sorry of all the bigs that we talked about she's probably the worst defensive player which is you know, kind of funny to think about considering her defensive accolades and, and all the all defensive teams and, and her amazing size and, and stuff like that. But similar to Kelsey Plum, like I think in the right situation, you can craft at least a passable defense around her. And in the WNBA, like elite offenses are, are much more important, I think, than elite defenses. And there's no more elite offensive player than, you know, when Brittany Griner can get it going. Uh, yeah, that was one thing that that just again getting back to the philosophical argument of this, trying to determine uh, how much impact one particular player can have on the defense, and the, it's just a lot less than than they can have on the offense. 
is kind of the conclusion that I came to. I was watching, you know, watching some players. It's like, yeah, I think they're doing everything right and they're doing great and they're the center of this offense and uh, the, the team is still somehow getting ball racked because there's a breakdown somewhere else and you can't be everywhere at once. Uh, that inevitably is what kind of gave me the pass. It's like, all right, Brittany Griner is not the best defensive player uh, out here, but it's like, it doesn't, I, I think even if she absolutely was, there's only so much control that, that you can have over that. Uh, another funny thing with Griner that I was thinking about was I was trying to think of like, who would be the ideal for uh power forward to match up uh play with her it was like oh it's like somebody who spaces the floor and maybe somebody who who can kind of make up for what she lacks uh in, in terms of doing pick and roll because she doesn't she doesn't really step out and do that a whole lot and i was like kind of thinking about it and i i went around and i was like you know who would be a good power forward for her Alana Smith, and then I remembered that she was the power forward for for a few years and was not able to do anything at that particular point in time. <laughs> and now it's like she seems like the way the season she had last year, she would be like so ideally suited to play alongside Brittany. I mean, I don't want to get too much on a tangent here, but I feel like Phoenix Alana Smith was similar in a lot of ways to like Minnesota Steph Talbot, where when when you can do a lot of things, but all you're asked to do is take spot up jump shots, like your your game kind of diminishes. Even if you can do that, you know it, it sort yep. of atrophies because the other things that you're able to do well, just you know you're you're just kind of minimized as a player. And I think oh, that's that a really good point. Smith. Okay. All right. Uh, any closing thoughts, uh, MJ? You got anything? Satu Sabali should have made my list. Yeah, Satu, Satu was on my short list. Yeah, she was definitely. I was playing musical chairs, and she got shoved out. So I yeah, wanted she's to, on the ground now. And and Looking while I'm you, hurt feelings. <laughs> and while I'm at it, I did have Fee on here, uh, Jackie Young, Miss Boston, um, Jewel made it. Um, and I actually considered well, Kalia. I just gave her the nod just off uh, her Finals MVP, Kalia Copper. And I actually surprisingly considered Arike Ogumbawale. All right, only that's enough be- out of you. All only right. because, <laughs> only <move> because, on. <laughs> only because it's only like one or two more things that she has to do to her game, and it would like change everything if she would just control the pace and be able to actually facilitate and uh, be able to. Um, I I don't know how to put it like order her attack you know what i mean like be real specific with execution and become just like a coach on the floor a a master of just the game and seeing the game like as it before it happens like that of a like a chris paul type you know what i mean Mm mm-hmm and in in WN NBA terms, maybe like a prime DT ish kind of like I don't know, man. Like it's it's another level for her to go, and then suddenly this that won't be so far fetched. And don't be surprised if it's next season. Uh, hey, I I hold out hope for everybody. Yeah, because I I kind of like squashed her up under my foot last season, uh, or yeah, 
yeah, last season, not this past season, but and I didn't have really good expectations, no high expectations for her this season. But it's like after every seven to ten games, she just slowly got better, better, better. And then it's like towards the end, it's like, hmm, they're a threat. They're like a threat threat. If they catch like a certain level of momentum, they might be able to roll through this thing just on that momentum alone, whether people think it would have been fluky or not. And so, yeah, Arike, she she was the very last of this, but I considered her because I, I thought about that. So, yeah. She did not make my short list. That's <laughs> uh, uh, Becky, any any final thoughts on this? No. Um, another almost two-hour pod. So, great work, everyone. That's what we do. <laughs> Proud of us. <laughs> Proud of us. Proud of us. We we give you heaping portions that make you feel sick afterwards. Yes. Thanks for coming on. All right, on. Stephen, I would, I would say dead. where people can find you, but they can't find you because you, you lock your Twitter account and the, the double down is not double down in right now. Um, we may need to have you and or Eric uh, uh, back on again because the one thing that I the one the one pod that I always miss that I'm missing I know it's not happening it doesn't seem to be happening is the 25 under 25 I, I love that pod want it to happen still doing my work for it uh, we probably won't record it in a podcast but maybe I'll I'll put it out there somewhere so it's okay. been definitely something I've been putting some work I, I'm looking for it Eric of course we love him and he has a standing invite to come on the six pod anytime uh love to have him on um but thank you like these these guys go back and just 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 play the back episodes it's it's fun uh they think about all of the stuff that that you don't think about right or wrong they it's it's out there and it's kind of cool to watch i think they even had a pod on things things they got wrong which is is very refreshing uh you don't always have to be right you just have to be thinking about stuff i definitely this was the pod of of stuff I don't know, stuff I am not able to figure out. And uh, the confidence level was about as as low as it could go <laughs> entering into it. And like I said, it was like a, an hour before the uh, before the pod started that I, I finally nailed down an actual order uh, for these players. So this is a great exercise. I really enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed it out there too. Uh, on behalf of MJ and Robococo and our guest, Stephen Trinkwald, I am Snap Wilson. This has been the sixth pod of the year. Everybody be good to each other. Enjoy some some college basketball. Make the world better. All right? Yes, Arrivederci! <laughs> Peace out. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>